You may be seated, and I want to go to an amazing verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul the Apostle, in verse 1, is solemnly charging Timothy, his son in the faith, a pastor of the uh, people, some think he was a pastor of the church in Ephesus, but he was definitely a pastor. These are pastoral letters. Uh, It applied to him, it also applies to us. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So Paul asserts very urging, strong, uh, what he's about to say is is very, very important by the way he he solemnly charges Timothy. And he says in verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Make that message the priority. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's see. He's, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So his message was boiled down to that, the gospel. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Look at somebody and say, be ready. This is my focus for these Sunday services. And if you've turned in... Uh, dialed in right now just for a moment. I'm going to teach you about readiness and about being prepared. Oftentimes, God doesn't give us a lot of detail about what's to happen. For example, no one knows the day or the hour when he's coming, but we are to be, be prepared and ready for his coming. Readiness, by definition, is immediate availability. Immediate availability. Uh, mental disposition spiritually attuned, to be spiritually attuned, apprehending or responding with speed and sensitivity. And I like this one, equipped in advance for a particular purpose for some use or event. So preparation precedes usefulness. When we prepare our hearts and we get ready, uh, then uh, we are making a statement of our availability. And it also, we have then every right to be confident um, that we, you know, we've done our preparation and we've done our prayer and we've been in the word and we've been preparing. We've got our heads up uh, and we're being focused. Everybody say focus. So reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. This is, again, this is pastoral responsibility. Pastors just want to be encouragers and instructors, uh, be patient and just be exhortational but really you have to reprove and rebuke. Most people don't like that. It hurts uh, the dad more than it hurts the kid, but that's just the way it goes. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but though wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to the myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. But you, be sober in all things, be focused, not somber, but sober. Now, there's a lot of discussion about sober living, and people that become uh, addicted uh, don't want to live sober because they want to numb themselves or jack themselves up artificially to cope with life. But really, Paul is saying you need to be sober in all things, Uh, be sober minded. Uh, so you're clear, you're sharp, you're not imbibed, you're not dulled. I mean, I need all the help I can get. I don't need my judgment impaired by anything. I need all the help I can get. So 
I take this seriously. Endure hardship. That just means it is what it is. And uh, it's inevitable that offenses will come. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver them out of them all. And in all these things, we're more than conquerors. So that's our bias that helps us to endure hardship because we know we can overcome. Because we are, in fact, overcomers. Do the work of an evangelist. This is for Timothy. This is for modern day church. This is for a pastor of a church, but it is also for the church at large. We're all to be, he that is wise wins souls, Proverbs 11.30. So one of the great points that I've been bringing up through these weeks is that we're always to be ready to give give an account for the hope that is in us. When anybody asks us to give a defense for why we have hope in us, you know, a widow here, why would you... Keep going in life. Wouldn't you be caving in with, with uh, anxiety? No, well, I, I grieve, but I don't grieve like the world grieves. I'm not in denial about my hurt and my loss. I just know where my loved one went. So I haven't really lost a, him or her. I know where they are, and eventually I'll get to see them. And that helps with our grief process, not to have this cavernous ache of morbidity, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's good news. And he'll wipe away all our tears, and we do cry some hot tears, but not the same morbid tears as the world. So we're sober, and we do the work of an evangelist. And so I want to now go to Daniel, because Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, defines something that I want to bring over to you in the few moments I have with you today. This is one of my favorite verses from when I was a young Christian. And uh, reading through the book of Daniel, this stood out. Uh, they, Daniel was in a terrible context. He and his friends had been kidnapped and hauled over away from their security and uh, predictability and reliability of their peaceful setting. And they had been pulled over east to the, uh, the river city of Babylon. And um, they were stuck in this harsh, bizarre, anti-God, humanistic environment that uh, didn't really understand the true and living God. Daniel carried over and refused to let the pressure extinguish the flame of his heart for God. And he's continued to emanate trust in the Lord. And in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, in the uh, New American Standard Bible, it says, I'll read the whole context, it says, by smooth words he will turn Uh, to godlessness, those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Now, oftentimes we want to just quote the B part and uh, say the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits or or take action. Uh, Display strength and take action. The New King James says, carry out great exploits. I mean, this was such an important verse to me that... um, Back in the 70s, when I married my wife, I made a Bible cover for her. That was what was popular at the time. You'd get an inexpensive edition, and you'd take the the hard cover off of it, and you'd buy a piece of leather at the leather shop, and then you'd tool it and put snaps on it or, you know, that kind of thing. And and, uh, this is very loving for a husband to do for your newlywed wife. And I did a whole elaborate cover that said, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And... um, she still has that, you know. She, uh, I think, treasures it. Yeah, she does. She has to say that. 
She's on camera. Our friend and um, missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne picked it up and looked at it, and he liked it. So uh, he was a, he was a kind of a Pentecostal Billy Graham of his time, and good friend, and downloaded in us. He did exploits, in fact, and that's part of what inspired me. With Timothy, Paul was saying to him, uh, "I strongly admonish and charge you, be so- I solemnly and charge you, charge you to preach the word." Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to pray. Be ready to serve. Be ready to forgive. Be ready to express the love of God in any and every way possible. Uh, because the hours coming when people will get on different algorithms. They'll be feeding off of, out of different troughs. There'll be people that uh, don't deserve it, or haven't earned it, but will speak into people's lives. You won't be able to evaluate where they're coming from. And they'll all be elevated to the same level of status just if they have good grammar and good diction. So you have to be very discerning. This was 2,000 years ago before many technologies. How much more in the last days of the last days are we to be warned to make a priority to preach the word and stay true to the scriptures and be ready in season and out of season? Man, Timothy, 2,000 years ago, to be sure in that context had to be ready. And in thousands of years before that, Daniel had to be ready in the midst of all the smooth words, flattering speech, all the manipulation of Babylon. He had to be hardcore committed to the following of God and his word and his will. And the people that get acquainted with and connect with and fellowship with uh, and derive their strength from God will be strong. They will be strong and carry out exploits. Only be strong and very courageous is what God told Joshua and Caleb and then the people after Moses died in the first chapter of Joshua as they're preparing to go across the Jordan into uncharted territory they've been anticipating for a 40-year period. God is now opening a door, in their case, God was opening a door of faith to the Gentiles. Timothy's dad was Greek. Timothy's mother and grandmother, they were Jewish. He had an understanding of the Jewish way. He also had an understanding of the Athenian, Hellenistic, uh, Greek way. He understood the, the, the Gentile dynamic and he understood the Jewish dynamic. He was actually uh, dynamically equipped for his day. Paul came along and ministered to him and uh, he got filled with the, with the Holy Spirit and he got filled with direction. Everybody say, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's easy for me to say. With great patience and instruction. So with great patience and instruction, I want to tell you to back up a little bit and go to chapter 10, verse 19 of Daniel. Since we're back here in this book, chapter 10 and verse 19. uh, Then it says, he said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid Peace be with you. This is when Daniel had one of these visitations from the Lord. He said, O man of high esteem, beloved, it says in the King James, fear not, do not be afraid. And I believe the Lord's saying that to us today. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Take courage and be courageous. The new King James says, be strong. Yes, be strong. And then it says here in the rest of this, It says, now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may the Lord speak for you have strengthened me. 
The King James says, O man greatly beloved. Did you know you're beloved? Did you know you have favor? Did you know you're the object of God's love? That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That was what was his, his compelling impetus in sending his son was a rescuer to save broken, fallen humanity that had defied him, that was ungrateful toward him, and yet God wanted to save us? Hallelujah. And he loves you. He loves you. Oh man, greatly beloved, or oh, you have favor, you're loved, you're accepted. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. And said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Hallelujah. Anxiety or heaviness in the heart of a person will weigh it down. Proverbs 12, 25. But a good word makes it glad. That's why he said, preach the word. It brings hope. God's word is a supernatural message called the gospel. It's good news. There's so much news. But there's good news. There's so much reporting. There's an evil report and there's a good report. And Daniel was steeped in the awareness of how good God is. And he got to know God on that basis. And the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. I'm a big believer in this. Because Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. And that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works concerning our prayer life. Good works concerning doing the work of an evangelist. Good works as disciples, as we are to grow up in all aspects in him. One of the great passions God has for us, whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. Conformity to the image of his son is the opposite of conformity to the spirit of the world. Daniel is a good example. In the Old Testament, Timothy is a good example. In the New Testament, Daniel was stuck, transplanted by force, deported into and stuck in the Babylonian darkness. And he yet had to keep on his knees and keep in the word and keep his heart and fellowship with God. And though he was in the world, he was not of it. And he maintained close, robust faith with God. And as he got to know God, he became strong. And then he was able to do exploits. And in the case of Daniel, he prophesied about his contemporary world. He prophesied for his people, the Jewish people. He even prophesied about the church age. And he prophesied about things that haven't even happened yet. Man, that's a good life. He lived and died and had a great example of faith and fruitfulness, as did Timothy. We talk about him often. Pastors are always looking for Timothys, and they're rare. The Timothys have a servant's heart like Elisha, pouring water on Elijah's hands. Paul had to say over and over again, this one betrayed me, this one was caught up in his own interest, this one abandoned me, this one went to the world, this one betrayed me. But yet, Timothy is a true son in the faith. We're seeing a rendering of that right now in the church. We're seeing a rendering of that right now. And the conclusion will be through the fire and the testings. We'll come to the other side. And we will be having obeyed God with preaching the word. Being ready in season and out of season. Reproving, rebuking, exhorting with great patience and instruction. Hallelujah. And we'll see the priorities of God and we'll, we'll pull back where we're not supposed to emphasize and we'll emphasize what we're supposed to focus on. And by the grace of God, he'll help us to keep the big deal, the big deal, to major on the major 
majors and minor on the minors and not get caught up in tributaries because that's what the devil used. The little foxes, he'll use that to spoil the vine, to get us preoccupied with lesser things, to get us in a mindset where we're bitter, we're frustrated. In fact, in this hour, the, the Bible says it's inevitable offenses will come. You could carry and accumulate hurts and become resentful, give lip service to it, and then you've got to repent. And I want to tell you, I've got some practical things for you about steps to take of what to do. But here's what I want to read to you from my friend Dick Mills from 31 years ago. He wrote this. Dick Mills was a a Pentecostal minister. He went to King's College in the 1940s. He preached the word for decades and decades. He became a friend to our family and to our church. He preached here all the way up to the end of his life lived into his 90s and went home to be with the Lord. He said, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This verse covers life during times of great stress. Now notice this, if you read Daniel, that was a time of great stress. The Babylonian people, even the king Nebuchadnezzar, said, look, you got to bow to my image. And if you don't, there's a furnace here that's lit up several times hotter than usual, and I'll throw you all in there. There was such a an evil, harsh, threatening atmosphere. It was legitimately harsh. There was so much pressure, so much turmoil. It's not speaking of a time of unparalleled peace, prosperity, and plenty. This context is actually amazing. It is a promise that shows us how to survive in a climate of international tension, economic upheaval, and spiritual change. I'll read that again. It is a promise... The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits is a promise that shows us how to survive in a climate of international tension, economic upheaval, and spiritual change. This word from the Lord tells us that persecution of the Christians will result in greater knowledge. They shall know their God, greater strength. They shall be strong and greater miracles. They shall carry out great exploits. On Sundays here at Family Church, I'm teaching on readiness on Sunday. And on Fridays, I'm teaching on the miraculous. He answers your prayer. He gets people out of darkness and into light. Demons have to flee. Bodies get healed. And these signs shall follow those who believe. We believe, therefore we speak. And we speak, what do we speak? God's word. Why bother with anything else? Don't take the bait into a lesser agenda. Please, get serious about Jesus. Get serious about souls. You don't have time to waste in all the little splitting of the hairs of all the particulars of the idolatries and the harshness of the times. Get back to the gospel. Get back to salvation. Get back to redemption. Get back to the good news of Jesus. Make that your priority because life is short and we've got to take advantage of our moment. Hallelujah. The more difficult the days, the greater God's power will be demonstrated. You and I should be encouraged knowing that the Lord is fortifying us for the future. Everybody say, get ready. We are not only going to survive, we have been promised that miracles will accompany our Christian witness. Jesus said, and I quote, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. In times of great opposition to the church of the living God, the world becomes a combat zone between God and Satan. Where sin abounds, however, grace abounds even more, according to Romans 5.20. The greater the darkness, the brighter the light. 
Right in the midst of the devil's revival of occultism and mystic religions, the Holy Ghost is being poured out in copious measure. Remember in the book of Acts, they piled up their books of witchcraft and burned them. Remember the exhortations in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. Do not go to seers and, and do not go to incantations. Man, I'm sensitive to that. Even, even a little cute situation comedies with witchcraft. Somehow I just feel that we need to avoid that. But also, listen, witchcraft is defined as rebellion and as pride. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I've seen Christians function in that kind of thing, and it's very difficult. In this hour, we've got to get to know God and get away from that sort of stuff. Get to know God and stay away from rebellion. Get to know God and line up with his word and his promises. Why? Because the people who know their God will be strong. You'll be able to withstand stuff if you get strong and you get in God's presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Right now it's happening. Here at the, in this physical meeting, where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst. While they were leading us in worship, he inhabits the praises of his people. While we're here spending time in his word in the Old and New Testament, we're reading about Timothy, we're reading about Daniel, but more importantly, we're reading about the God of Timothy and the God of Daniel. We're not looking for the Daniels of God, we're looking for the God of Daniel. And then as we get to know him, we'll see those exploits accomplished through each one of our lives. Because God has given us a brightness and a tone and a calling. Each one of us, there are no two of us alike. There are no two roles the same. God has plans for each one of us. And that's beautiful. And you see societies that hate individuality, that hate exceptionalism, that hate that it's because that's, that's an anti-God thing because God puts value and esteem on each of us as individuals. He loves each and every one of us with an everlasting love. Man, this is a, let this explode in your heart. Where the gospel goes, there goes liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Wherever it goes, it, it elevates the position of people of different ethnicities, of both genders, of all ages, of all socioeconomic levels. There's nothing like the power of the cross to bring amazing lift to every person. He's the resurrection. He's the one that brings us empowerment. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The church of Jesus Christ is not getting weaker and weaker as the end of time approaches. It is getting stronger and stronger. We believers are going out in a blaze of glory. I just finished the book of Revelation. I've been reading. I've read it a couple times in the last few months. And I read the end of the book. We win. That's what they say. We will know the Lord intimately. We will know the Lord personally. We will know and understand his ways because he's teaching us his ways. And we will have a prevailing strength. And we will see and do notable feats and miracles in his name. Our future prospect is victory all the way. Can I hear an amen? Well, I just have a couple of more moments and I want to give you things that will strengthen you. Number one, pray, start your day and pray every morning. Start your day with prayer. It helps you to get to know God. That's how we know God is in prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, and then start that way and then humble yourself and go right in and read your Bible so you know what to pray concerning his promises. We just sang all your promises are yes and amen. And uh, that's great, but that's as we get to know the promises.
I was listening to the testimony of a man who had recently become a Christian. He didn't know the Bible, but he became a Christian and he would hear the pastor and he would study the scriptures and he would read the scriptures and see. He talked about how, I guess he went to a church where the pastor would print up his outline before he preached. Uh, some people could do that. And he, he, he would read the outline. I remember Gary Smalley would send, because he preached his messages in a lot of places. So he would send them here. And, and, but this, this man took this approach. He, he read the scriptures first to see if he was on the same page. If he, was his, he was checking out his own interpretation. And he was studying to show himself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word. I thought this was really mature. And uh, he would read it, and then he would listen to what the pastor had to say to see if, you know, he was getting it right. And he, because he, he so much wanted to get something out of the word. Yeah. You know, like, like I heard one pastor from Texas say, it's not so much how much you get into the word, it's what you get out of the word. But in order to get things out of the word, you got to put time into the word, right? So start your day in the word and read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. Read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. Get and study and meditate on the promises of God. Listen, this is so important. Number three, this is readiness. This is preparation. Be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. Repent of everything you need to repent of. Stay repentant. I'm not saying you should be sin conscious, but I'm saying don't sear your conscience as with a hot iron and don't become dull and numb. It's his God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Let's keep a tender heart and be quick to repent. Whenever we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. This will create a readiness for us. And it'll keep us out of, this is number four, be quick to forgive. We must live a life of chronic forgiveness. It's the opposite of resentment. And resentment is a sabotage to our progress. And bitterness, a root of bitterness can spring up and cause trouble. But the Bible says, spring up, O well, within my soul. Like, let the living water spring up. If you want to have something spring up in your life, don't let it be the weeds of hostility and venomous hurt. Uh, It's so tempting. Isn't it so tempting to seize upon the hurts and get bitter about it? But we're not to let a root of bitterness spring up. We need to be quick to forgive, quick to ask forgiveness, and mean it. Be thorough with it. That's emotional maturity. Not a lot of people actually are honest like this. A lot of people will deny. I, I've had people be so hurtful, and the next day they don't even acknowledge that it happened. Um, and uh, somebody else had the same impact, and they said, yeah, they never apologize. They, they morph into this thing, and then they just, and it's like, man. So God does not want us to keep that type of thing in our situation. Peter said, should I forgive him seven times? Jesus said, uh, let's do a little, get your calculator out on your smartphone, Peter, and math this up. 70 times 7. What is that? 490 times a day per offense. Meaning Jesus is saying, keep the forgiveness as prepared, ready, point. Be forgiving. Be forgiving. Be merciful. Be forgiving. I mean, driving to church today. My wife and I, we're driving out of the driveway. We just have to generate forgiveness even before we get halfway out of our driveway. And I, 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 not between us at this point, thankfully. I, I, I've, I've confessed that, you know. But we were in good shape today with each other. It was other stuff around us. But we've also had to forgive each other. She mainly has to forgive me, so that's just the way that goes. But anyway, she's good at it. Number five, put on the whole armor of God. 
Keep the breastplate of righteousness. Keep uh, uh, walking in righteousness. Keep that right standing with God central to protect your vitals. Keep the shield of faith up. Don't, don't grow weak in faith, but get strong in faith. Hold up that shield of faith at work and, and deflect all the flaming arrows of the devil. In a very real sense, Daniel had to hold up that shield of faith while Nebuchadnezzar ordered the, the burning of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had to keep that shield of faith up while he's trying to live out the dream God has for him in a super hostile environment. Timothy was in a super hostile environment. The, the Roman Empire was at its height and it was full, it was militaristic and harsh and it was also copycat where it was stealing all the dreams and ideals of the Greeks. They were assimilating, they were so arrogant and reviling and God caused the early church to be birthed in that context. God caused some of the greatest Hebrew prophecy to be birthed in the context of Babylon. And in the last days, God is going to manifest a great birthing where the glory of the latter house will be even greater than the glory of the former. God knew this would be a time where we'd have to be socially distanced, wearing masks, not being able to look at each other's faces or read each other's lips or hear each other's words. God knew we'd live at a time where there'd be such heightened fear. And that's why he said, only be strong and very courageous. And it's not glib either. It's not like, be strong. Gosh, golly, you know, it, it, it's like, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I'm telling you, these are strengtheners. You know, those of us who work out, you know, there are exercises for our, our biceps and there are exercises for our backs. And they're, you talk to people who work out. My son-in-law's been working out a lot of our family. And what'd you do today? Uh, legs. And, and it, it, it's just muscle groups. Prayer builds a set of muscle. Reading the Bible builds another set of muscles. Repentance builds a set of muscle. Forgiveness builds yet, builds yet another set of core strength to you. Putting on the whole armor of God goes from head to toe. Yeah. Helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Preparation means preparedness, which means readiness, which means the opportunity for deployment and activation. God is looking for people that will walk by faith. I don't think Daniel had a clue what was up ahead for him. Nor did Timothy. Paul had just an inkling when he was called. The things he, when Ananias prophesied over him, God spoke to Ananias. Ananias was arguing with God. God, I've heard about this guy that he's been a torment to the church. And he said, yeah, well, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the house of Israel. And I will show him what things he must suffer. And you look at Paul the apostle. He itemizes being beaten, being betrayed by false brethren, by his countrymen, robbers, sleep in the deep. He floated out in the water. He got bit by a snake. He got, you know, on and on and on and on. But he doesn't do it with self-pity, doesn't do it with whining. He just clarifies so that we can endure hardship too. And that his circumstances turned out for the furtherance of the gospel like yours and, I, and mine will too. Like this moment we're in right now is a refining moment. This moment right now ties into our destiny. This moment right now, we are at the last days of the last days. I remember driving with my dad through the southwest. And uh, there was a, a sign in the, in the gas station. Last gas station for 200 miles. So if your range of your car, you know, was a 250, you better make sure your tank's full. And I'm telling you, when it talks about eschatos, the last days, he said, but in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, realize this. He's really emphatic. He's solemnly charging. 
that there, in the end days there'll be difficult times, perilous times will come. And he describes the behaviors. They were very consistent with the behaviors of the Babylonians with Daniel. They were very consistent with the behaviors of the Romans and of the peoples during Timothy's time. Very consistent with where we're lined up right now as a people. That's why pray every morning. Start your day in prayer. Start your day in the word. Be quick to repent, be quick to forgive. Put on the whole armor of God and stay plugged in to where God plants you. Don't become a tumbleweed in this hour. God wants us not to forsake the assembling together, which is the habit of some. When we read about Joshua, it's often in the context of Joshua and Caleb. When we read about David, it's often in the context of David and Jonathan. When we read about Paul, it's often in the context of Paul and Silas or Paul and Timothy or Paul and Aristarchus or some of the key people that stood by him through it all. And so having done all to stand, we stand. I'm hearing the music telling me that it's my speech is over. Let's all stand up on our feet. Let's stand up on our feet. Having done all to stand, we stand. Say this with me. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now lay hands on yourself just like this and say, here am I, Lord. I shift my focus onto you. You are the Lord of my life. Kindle afresh all these gifts. Stir up my prayer life. Refine me in your word. Give me a great attitude. I bear no grudges. I refuse to be critical. I will overcome. I forgive everybody. I put on the whole armor of God that I might be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, I stand. I'm bloom where I'm, I bloom where I'm planted. I am the planting of the Lord. I bear fruit in season and out of season. I'm ready in season and out of season. God has his hand on my life. I am a thinking Christian. I am alert. I'm sober-minded. I'm focused. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now I pray you go out with joy. You're led forth with peace. He makes his face shine upon you. You beam and radiate the love of God. The tangible anointing of the Holy Spirit gets on your life, gets in your car, gets in your household. I bind and banish oppression, depression, insecurity, and fear. And I pray for breakthrough and not breakdown in Jesus' name. Amen.